This is the Make America Grape Again podcast, produced and recorded by Cody Burkett, the Arizona Wine Monk. In this podcast, we explore wines from all 50 states in the United States of America. Welcome to another episode of the Make America Grape Again podcast. I'm your host, Cody Vladimir Burkett, CSW. Megan, also CSW. Didn't we come up with a name for me and I forgot it already? <laughs> kind of wine drinky, drinky wine. Oh, my Veni Vidi drinky. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. There we go. Uh, today we're focusing on the state of Delaware with a wine made from a grape called Delaware. That's not very good. I like it, on the other hand. Yes, I don't count, but... No, you, you count purpose. <laughs> you, you count, otherwise, if you didn't count, you wouldn't be here. I, I will go ahead and just say yes. <laughs> so, we are drinking the 2017 Delaware from Pizzadilly Winery, uh, named for the two Pizzadilly wine, uh, I brothers. I say Pizzadilly. <laughs> so bad. It's labeled as a sweet white wine with 12% alcohol from Delaware, but uh, it's not that sweet. It smells sweet. It smells sweet. It smells, yeah, really sweet. Palette-wise, So technically, this qualifies as a skin contact white or an amber wine because it was fermented on, or is left on the skins for about four days prior to fermentation. And then fermentation was cut off with about 1% residual sugar. These grapes are sourced from the estate. I dig this. Megan is shaking her head in horror. No, I can't. The nose is interesting. What are you getting on the nose? What did we say? All the things. It was all the, like, just can't, like, canned fruits and dried apricots and, like, candied things. And there's something, like, a little, you said mint and white tea, which I absolutely agree with. Which, to me, are telltale characters of a skin contact white wine. I, I get those in a lot of skin contact whites and ambers. Mint and white tea, that's what I was going for. Yeah. For that's... me, those are characters that are imparted by grape skins. Okay. Uh, for white wines. I've um, not had a lot of these skin contact white wines. You so should have more. I, although I, well, this is, yeah. as since you don't like this one, you might not like the others, but you might also like the others. I don't know. Yeah. There's only one way to find out, and that's drink them. Yes. Uh, which is the beautiful thing of why this podcast exists, is I'm drinking through all the states, and I will drink through them all three times. You know what to drink or what not to drink, and so you can join me or you cannot. It's up to you. So... Delaware wine history. There's not much to say about Delaware wine history because it's very small. Um, although you may not know this, but the first colonists in Delaware were actually Swedes. And it was known as uh, New Sweden for New a Sweden. brief time. For But the first Swedish settlers did plant grapes and made wine in Delaware as early as 1638. But of course, Prohibition killed it. Like, uh, that's a trend that you've probably noticed everything. by now in these episodes is Prohibition killed these wineries. And killed the wine industry. The oldest vineyard in the state of Delaware, uh, Nassau Valley Vineyards, which will be the uh, topic of a later podcast, probably mostly focusing on tasting room etiquette, but we'll get there when we get there uh, in season two or three. The TLDR is that uh, I was not happy with the way that uh, me and other customers were treated at Nassau Valley Vineyards, but that's neither here nor there. Pizzadelli was the second winery I visited in the day, and so it was a nice and refreshing break. This was probably my favorite, uh, other than a, a skin contact Niagara, which was also really interesting, and the uh, two brothers. So the Pizzadelli winery is named after these two brothers, the brothers Pizzadelli, who created this winery and 
find that these wines on their estate. Delaware only has four vineyards, and I managed to visit three in one day. Uh, the third winery I visited was Harvest Ridge Winery, which is also the newest. Pizzadelli uh, Vineyard and Winery was a dream that actually uh, the father, Salvador Pizzadelli, had for his two sons. And the two sons helped their father make wine and then started their own winery. Twelve different grape varieties grown on the estate. This, I thought, was particularly interesting because amber wines are not a thing that you normally find. And uh, they practice a very low-intervention style of winemaking. Uh, which is a very traditional thing in, in the old country of Italy until the market took over and you see these vibrant, dry, crisp whites. This used to be what Italian whites were more like. They had skin contact for a few days. They are more like amber and orange wines, traditionally. But anyway, so I recently visited Maryland for my godson's baptism. And uh, on this day, two days before my godson's baptism, I decided to go into Delaware and to get all the wines for this podcast because... I didn't know that I would get another chance again because Delaware doesn't really ship to Arizona. And with only, you know, four wineries, I didn't know that I'd have time. And so I was like, oh, I'm going to grab these while I'm here. I dig it. I think that this would be really fun with Mediterranean food. But I know it's not your your thing. Yeah. But uh, I, I mean, maybe if the right food was with it, it might. But I just, mm, mm, mm. It's not working for me. But uh, I thought I'd read from the Big Red Wine Book about uh, the Delaware as a varietal. Um, so the Delaware varietal originally does not come from Delaware, other than the town of Delaware, Ohio, apparently. Um, although it may have originally come from um, uh, New York originally. Delaware, a historic variety of obscure origin, once more popular in the Midwest and in the eastern U.S. states. Principal synonyms, Delavar. Heath Grape, Lady's Choice. <laughs> I, I love that. I can't. It's so good. <laughs> hey, Megan, you want some Lady's Choice? Absolutely. All day, every day. <laughs> and also Powell and Rough Heath. Rough Heath. Which may or may not be a Lady's Choice. It sounds like a Lady's Choice. It's like, I'll have some Rough Heath with my rough Lady's heath. Choice. <laughs> As I say in a deeply masculine voice. <laughs> Absolutely. How else are you supposed to say that? I, I don't know. <laughs> Ladies' choice. So anyway, it's thought to come from Frenchtown in Delaware County, Ohio, in the United States. So apparently it's a result of a French-speaking Swiss aristocrat, Paul Henry Malher, Provost, who fled first from France and then from Switzerland across Europe because he was wanted by the French for having hidden his countrymen during the French Revolution. So he arrived in New York City and then bought land... Uh, and Alexandria on the Delaware River between Milford and Stockton and New Jersey. And then, okay, so why is it saying Frenchtown, Delaware County, Ohio, when it may have come from Jersey? I'm confused. I, they don't understand what Chancellor Robinson, what are you doing? She has no idea. She probably has more of an idea than, than we think. Well, she's apparently confused when she wrote this. Or just wanted to confuse the masses that... Or he up. may have developed the vines there and then handed them... Oh, there you go. Okay, 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 okay here All we right. go. We'll, we'll go with that. So, Mallet Provost gave this vine to several of his French town neighbors, including a blacksmith and wheelwright named Benjamin Heath, hence Rough Heath, I'm guessing. Huh? When the latter moved to the township of Concord in Delaware County, there we go, Ohio, he took the vine with him and cultivated it on his farm in Freshwater Road. His neighbor, Abraham Thompson, editor of the Delaware Gazette and Horticulturist, was so impressed by Heath Trips that he sent a sample to study to the Massachusetts Horticultural Society in 1855. And it said that the society named it Grape from Delaware City, Ohio. That's original. 
Very. There's a there's a wonderful grape that's an ancestor probably to Norton called Bland. <laughs> that that's what this reminds me of. <laughs> Admittedly, probably named after some dude named Bland, but mm-hmm. still, that would be a hard sale. It's like, oh, this is our wine. This is our Bland Bland. What what's it a blend of? Bland and, bland and something else. Something. Well, why is it called Bland? Is it that boring? Anyway. Um. <laughs> So it was later distributed around the country and then became popular under the simple name Delaware. So the name of this grape has originally nothing to do with the state of Delaware. However, I was deeply and highly amused at how meta it would be to find a Delaware vintage in Delaware to talk about in this podcast. Yes. Because, of course, that's how my sense of humor works. And so I found this one. And this was, to me, the most impressive Delaware vintage I found. Which, again, I like. Mm. Megan doesn't. Mm. And... That's the wonderful thing that wine is subjective about. That's true. Wine is beautifully subjective. For viticultural characteristics, relatively hardy bananas, hardy as Concord, early ripening, small bunches of small, thin-skinned pink berries that have less pronounced foxy flavors than most North American varieties of hybrids and are attractive to birds, low yields, and susceptible to fungal diseases, especially downy mildew and phomsis, but also to black rot, powdery mildew, and botrytis bunch rot. It's also, weirdly enough, susceptible to phylloxera, apparently. That's... Interesting. Uh, and as we also learned in uh, our weird ramblings with this grape, it was originally authorized for Southern Austria's Hudler wines. Uh, so Hudler was a style that used to be really popular, and I have no idea if it's still being made or not. Uh, Wikipedia seems to suggest it's not. But it was a sweet wine from Southern Austria, and apparently as a result of the uh, wine scandals of the 1980s, the style of wine was forbidden. Oh! The situation continued up to the beginning of the 1990s. Wait, what? So, in other words, after the 1990s, it became legal again. Oh. I should have read the next fucking sentence in this Wikipedia article. Nah. <laughs> nah. Don't read ahead. That's not fun. Yeah, I know. It's more fun to discover with us, right? Absolutely. Right, guys? Right? Yeah. I can hear from all 20 of you <laughs> that you're going, yes! Absolutely. But anyway, I thought that this was a fascinating old-style wine because these guys are making wine... The old school Italian style, where you do let your whites sit on the skins for a few days. And we are sitting this next to a, a Saval Blanc from DA, which is another French-American hybrid. And the color difference is it's, tremendous. Yeah, that's pretty intense. Uh, this is sort of this pale golden amber color, and the Saval is totally like this bright sunflower yellow. What's the vintage on the Delaware? Uh, Delaware is 2017. Oh, Jesus, fuck. Yeah, no. I mean, just if somebody just gave me those, I would have thought that the Delaware was a really old vintage that was turning. <laughs> I haven't. I still have a bottle of fifteen of this in my stash. Oh, hot damn! I wonder what that tastes like. We should find out. Well, I mean, we have we, we could a leftover free bottle of tangent, 17. tangent, 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 oh, or yeah. or tangenting. Oh, <laughs> I didn't start it. That was you. That was yeah. That was my fault. Okay. We've talked about more on amber wines in the Vermont episode with the Iapetus, which was also made of another hybrid. The genealogy of Delaware is kind of confusing. It definitely seems to be a Vitus uh, brain just... No. Uh, Vinifera cross because of its susceptibility to phylloxera and a few other things that most hybrids are not susceptible to. Because they're Estevalos and they're like, 
you know, can dance off that shit, so to speak. They're just like, ha oh, ha, oh, fuck you. It's like, ha oh, ha, powdery mildew, again, go away, harumph. Uh, they're versus, not. they're not. I said, I care not. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this, by the way, is stainless steel, no oak, uh, no mallow. Again, I like this. I mean, it's not my favorite amber wine. It's not even my favorite wine that I encountered in the state of Delaware. But I thought it was really fun and interesting to see this old style of sort of almost natural winemaking. Uh, interesting approach. is a good word. Yeah. I do appreciate uh, and that's that. the thing I've noticed about amber wines in general and skin contact whites is that people either love them or they're like, oh dear God, WTF, BBQ, what is this? Please throw this away forever and never make it ever again. Yes. And, and <laughs> you're having this wonderful polarized reaction and this is the reaction I love to see when... Just I, the pure hate. Yes. Like, oh, be, God. Oh, God. What is this? What is this madness? It's awful. Yeah, no, I was. But I dig it. And, uh. Very good. But that's the thing about wine. And, you know, as I, I believe I've mentioned in a few episodes before, what matters more about wine is whether you like it or not. And what matters more is do you like a given wine? If so, drink it. If you don't like it, don't. But don't completely disregard the grape in general yeah and even if you have a bad vintage you know yeah that too because apparently there are people there are winemakers elsewhere that make sparkling versions of this grape and i think that would be interesting that would be interesting um the only other delaware i tasted in well delaware um <laughs> was super duper sweet uh and that was from nassau and I bought a bottle of that because because at that time I wasn't sure that I would get to any other winery and I wasn't sure if I would find another Delaware. Makes sense. And they also said that the grape came from Ohio. And I think they may have deliberately misunderstood my question. Deliberately? Or or accidentally. I was like, oh, I asked, you know, was this grown on the estate? And they're like, no, it's from Ohio. Mm, those people. And it's like, okay, sorry. That's... So I, my logical assumption was interpreting this as, Okay, we got these grapes from Ohio. And then I read about this grape later, saying that it was originally named for Delaware, Ohio. Okay. And they may have misunderstood the question and thought I was, you know, stupid. Well, who would know that, though? I don't know. Yeah, so... In case you couldn't tell, I was really disappointed with uh, the the staff at Nassau. Yeah, just a bit. Uh, But we're going to talk about that in a later episode (laughs) about tasting room etiquette. Um, where I will probably drag Megan in kicking and screaming for that one, too, since she does work in the tasting room. Uh, Palette-wise, on this wine, Megan is shaking her head. Even the chili didn't make it better. I get apricot, Mm -hmm. a little bit of almost like candied apricot, uh, candied peach. Yeah. Uh, There's just a slight hint of residual sugar. White tea, mint, uh, and also that, that sort of East Coast... Ick. I don't call it ick. I know. That sort of East Coast sort of moist, moist character. You know, that sort of like foxy, maybe that's swampy nice. thing. Which maybe that, that is from the grape, but... Yeah. I don't know what I would But I don't think it's from the grape because I think that's a Tawar feature. And I noticed a little bit of that sort of character in, in the wines from Harvest Ridge. And also from Nassau, which I think is a local Tawar character. Well, too. you were even getting that musty kind of thing from the from the the Great Creek from Texas. But that's it's a different must. Oh, okay. So that one is it's hard to explain without like 
plugging my brain in <laughs> and showing off the images that are going on in my head. Mm-hmm. Like, this is sort of like wind blowing off the sea into a salt marsh funk. Okay. Versus rain falling on wet soil. And funk. Yes. Okay. Uh, for uh, the Texas one we recorded earlier. Yes. But anyway, I liked it. I know you didn't, I but did not. that's okay. What didn't you like? I, I there, there was, oh, God, I don't know what the flavor is that was in there. It's just this almost, what did I say? It was like a, not quite rubbing alcohol, but just something off that is not something I want to taste in wine. And I don't know if it's necessarily a flaw. I'm guessing not, because if you're not tasting it. I mean, granted, there is a little bit of that character. I'm wondering if we're talking, you're tasting that sort of funk of Tawar as, as rubbing alcohol. That's just bad. Yeah, and that could be too. And, and granted, the, the cellar hygiene may or may not have been great. I didn't look in the cellar. Right. But I will say that, I, you know, I've tasted other flawed wines, and you know, yeah, I don't... I, they didn't taste this bad. And, and I, I like this. It's very rustic. Very R- old I mean, world. rustic is a good word. I... Yeah, no, I don't, I don't. I don't know what it was. The nose was fine. I mean, a little overpowering to me. It made it smell like it was going to be obscenely sweet. It was still very fruity to me. I didn't, not, not in that traditional like dessert wine way. But one percent residual sugar seems pretty interesting to me because it seems like it would have more than that. But I don't know. It was just like this weird mix of that weird tart, just meh, and then canned fruit. So what you're saying is that this lady's choice is not the lady's it's choice. Not this lady's choice. <laughs> I don't know about the other ladies. It's not mine. <laughs> well, on that note, uh, we're gonna sit here and drink and eat chili yes. uh, because we can. Because we can. Uh, but on the on that note, well, you need some wine in there because there's no point toasting on an empty glass, even though you're like, oh god, oh god. All right. I mean, the chili helps, sort of. Yeah, I could see this pairing well with sort of spicy foods, savory foods. Yeah. Um, maybe just... Mediterranean cuisine, especially. Yeah, that was like Persian food. Oh, it's so weird. But that's the that's it's so weird is the reaction I get from most people encountering amber wines for the first time too. I know that smell. What is that smell? Oh shit! Is it um? Uh, I think it was Ver- Vernaccia. Okay. As I have, I've had a couple of those now, and every time I smell them, I'm like, no, this this smells like it's turned, like it's wrong, like it's it's turned white wine, like there's just it's not it's not right. Now that's, that's interesting this... because I feel like every Vernaccia, Vernaccia, <laughs> however the fuck it's pronounced, I think it's Vernaccia. Uh, I... I've ever had has been corked, and I'm wondering if maybe. Maybe you saying that maybe that's not that they're cork. Maybe that's like it. Maybe that's just an inherent character of the grape and how they're making it. Because that's what I want. Because I've had a couple now, and and it and it just to me, I'm like, oh god, no! Like I smell it, and that's what this smells like to me. So like, maybe it's because that vernacchia is being made in this old style maybe. this whole time. Dun dun dun. Bum bum bum. I'll probably edit an actual real cool, like, dun-dun-dun sound effect in there. All right, good. But anyway. On that note, make America great again.
This was an episode of the Make America Grape Again podcast, sponsored, produced, and recorded by Cody Burkett, the Arizona Wine Monk. You can reach us at makeamericagrapepodcast at gmail.com, on Instagram at, at the AZ Wine Monk, or on Twitter at CV Burkett. Be sure to also check out our website, makeamericagrapeagainpodcast.com.